Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm. Blog Talk Radio. Minutes because we got LJ Fiasco 
from the 35th Kentucky Show. He's joining us again. Uh, we'll talk cats and cars and robbery and whatnot. Um, get your take on the game since you were there at the Young Center. We'll dive into all of that. Um, at 7 o'clock, we got a gentleman been walking out on the show for a minute. And so uh, it's going to finally work out. We got a former UK running back. Also went on to have a 10-year career in the NFL. Uh, some of those years were spent for uh, playing for Terry Brown, hated San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he was right up in the middle of those clashes with my Cowboys in the early 90s. We're talking about Mr. Mark Logan. Mark Logan is going to be here at 7. We can't wait to talk to him about, of course, his time in the U.K., his time in the NFL, the Kentucky Wildcats as they prepare for the Tax Slayer Bowl against Georgia Tech. We're talking about all of that. And, you know, I'm a good proponent, like every other guest, is a 49ers fan, so we don't have to talk, you know, Niners and Cowboys and Mark Logan. I know that's going to be a lot of fun. Even for me, I'll admit it'll be fun, even though, you know, it'll be Niners heavy. I was talking to Mark yesterday about coming on the show. We were talking about the Niners, and he was talking about how they are now and, you know, comparing to the way they were then and making some ownership comparisons that I'm sure, TB, you will say amen to when he comes on the show. So <laughs> it's going to be fun when Mark comes on the show in an hour. Yeah, it's, it's good. You know, I've got uh, my my thoughts on uh, the Niners' disappointing season. I mean, they can beat the Rams, and that's about it. But I know we'll cover that a little bit a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, a lot of fun stuff. Um, yeah, and once again, Laker Laker stuff in the news. Um, you know, Shaq got his jersey retired in Miami, but he's also getting a statue in the future at the Staples Center. I'm sure you have thoughts on that. The big news, the end of the relationship, the engagement, Phil Jackson, Jimmy Buss, Phil tweeting out that, you know, it's time to move on, you know, love and support each other, but we're just going to be friends. I know you probably got thoughts on that as well. You know, more news out of L.A. as far as that goes. So uh, a lot of stuff about your teams. You know, my Houston Rockets was scrapping literally with the Mavericks last night. We got guys talking about people's mamas and wives and stuff. And Trevor Reeves are trying to meet dudes after the game. And of course, guys for the Mavericks saying they didn't say what they said. So all that, like you said, TV, just about to get to, like it always is. And it's going to be another always. two hours on okay. Yeah, yeah. So, man, look, look, this is your first time back in the studio. What do you want to hit first? You you want to jump on Kentucky Louisville or jump on something else, and then we'll talk to LJ. What are you feeling since you've been gone for a while? Well, I know uh, with LJ coming on, uh, we're going to be cast the cards. We as well lead off with that. Uh, you know, being here in Louisville, kind of the, uh, the epicenter of the cats and cards. Uh, you know, fans kind of right here with each other. And I'll be honest with you, I think when you take kind of a high-level look, the football game, the the Kentucky needed that game more. After after five in a row, Kentucky needed the football game. And I think Louisville 
both the men and the women needed the basketball games this year. The Kentucky uh, women lost earlier in December. You know, I, I took uh, the girls, my girls, to that game. Uh, that ended a five-game losing streak for the Louisville women. And we all know about uh, Cal's record versus Rick Pitino. It was 8-1 and one head-to-head since Cal ro- arrived in uh, Lexington. Now it's 8-2. and two. And, and really, uh, there was an article on cardchronicle.com on SB Nation. Mark Rutherford wrote uh, about it. And, and honestly, I, I, I agreed with it that Louisville needed that game. You know, when it comes to uh, the over the last five, six years, you could put Louisville, Kentucky men's basketball right there in the top four or five as, as programs here over this last stretch. But Louisville had that monkey on his back. They could beat everybody else and couldn't beat, it couldn't beat Kentucky. Uh, I think there's going to be pressure on them next year. Can they do it again? Because if it gets to nine and two, you're still kind of in a in the hole a little bit. As far as the atmosphere, I've been to a lot of Kentucky Louisville games, Freedom Hall, Rupp Arena, Yum Center, and from the time I got there, the crowd was amazing. As it started to fill up, the ESPN folks were there. Uh, I think I sent you a text message. You know, I shook hands with Jay Billis. I'm just, I'm just, when I go, I'm just hanging around. You know how we do. I'm just kind of hanging around. I'm glad to be there. Uh, got to uh, have a nice lengthy conversation with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. Uh, got wow. to see the ESPN game day set up. Uh, it was a big game. I know being on a Wednesday, kind of a weird day to have that game. Uh, but it was still that's what you want from college basketball. When you've got Kentucky, Louisville, uh, you know, the third or fourth time here recently, they both are in the top ten when they meet. And that's a relatively new occurrence. You know, people our age and older, you know, we remember, of course, older than us, we remember when Louisville, Kentucky did not play. But even once they started playing, it, it was like an ebb and flow. Louisville was real good in the mid-'80s and kind of owned things a little bit. Then Kentucky got good. But now we're starting to see both teams coming in with numbers in front of their name for the matchup. And I think that adds a lot of bit of sizzle to it. I, I, I saw some of the national sports writers kind of saying, okay, yeah, Duke and Carolina kind of get that hype. You know, they play a couple of times a year, this, that, and the other. But Louisville, Kentucky is special. And uh, I think we saw that last Wednesday. Yeah, and After the, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, got to give Louisville credit. You know, it was it was a back and forth game with a lot of spurts. You know, Kentucky was spurted out to a, a little lead, you know, five or six points. Louisville would reel them back in, and then they would spurt out uh, a lot of lead changes, a lot of ties, a lot of back and forth. Louisville made made things hard on Kentucky. You know, as far as trying to execute in the half court, they got a lot of stuff in transition. Kentucky beat them back. A lot of easy buckets. Bam beat them for dunks. Fox got back and beat them in transition. But when, for me, when Louisville got that lead late, uh, they got a two-point lead. And I don't know if it was in the 60s or high 50s where it was. 
but they were up two, but it felt like they were up six because it was just kind of hard. Kentucky was having to literally fight and claw for everything they were getting. That was just kind of my feel. Might be different for you since you were there. I don't know, but that was, that was just kind of my my take on it. Well, it, you know, here's the thing. Uh, uh, Tina Cox, you know, the, the, she's kind of the coordinator for Cameron Mills Radio uh, as far as credentials and everything. Uh, I didn't actually have a seat because, uh, as you can imagine, this game was – it was sold out literally. It was the second highest <laughs> attended game at the UM Center, the media – so I kind of got to float around in the tunnel right next to the Louisville bench. Well, not right next to, but I'm, I'm right there. I, and I put some pictures uh, on, the, uh, on the show Twitter page. You get a different feel watching it. but I, and, and this is why I'm not as overly concerned as maybe I would have been before. Uh, you know, people will talk about, oh, you know, our guys played like freshmen and, and this, that, and the other. There was a little bit of that. I have always said Rick Patino is a heck of a coach. We can look at what he's done off the court. We can talk about him leaving Kentucky, talk about him coming to Louisville. The man can coach basketball. And I have said, and I don't, I'm pretty sure I've said on this show, even when it was eight and one and, and, and Cal was kind of, you, you knew that number one, that kind of streak wasn't going to go on forever. But number two, when you look at the personnel, none of those games have been a real big blowout. Other than yeah. the, the, other than the George game that kind of opened up a little bit uh, when he went for 22 and 14, a couple of years ago, uh, other than that game, they've all been played, you know, single digits, maybe 10 or 11 points. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't looked like the talent differential should say it looked. And you could talk about Rick likes to muck it up and everything like that. His matchup zone on last Wednesday, that provided all kinds of problems. And what he did, Quentin Snyder, who the player of the game, you know, he scores his career high. But defensively, yeah. putting him out on the wing – and putting a big man, Ding Adele, up at the top of the zone really caused a lot of problems for Malik Monk, caused some spacing issues for Fox. We had a lot of uncharacteristic turnovers. It was a great move. You can talk about mucking it up and all that. That was a strategic move. And once it was obvious that we were not going to go into BAM for whatever reason, you know, and, and Cal touched on that after the game. Somebody asked him, you know, did you tell the guys to go to BAM? He said, every dead ball. And, and, and post-game, Cal was talking about discipline. And, and, and he said that at least ten times in a five-minute stretch after the game that the guys need to work on their discipline uh, as far as running the plays, running the sets as they're supposed to run. But Rick Pitino had a game plan, and his guys executed. I think it helped them, obviously. I think it helped being at the Yum Center. But what these cats have to realize, you know, you're getting ready to go through the SEC. And we all know the SEC, not one of the better basketball conferences this year. But if you look through the media guide, the U.K. basketball media guide, and you see the all-time record of Kentucky – Versus their SEC opponents, 
and you know, and you see that Ole Miss, who we play tomorrow night, has only beaten us 13 times in 130 something games, and, and <laughs> like you talk about Ray Mears down in in, in Tennessee, how that he is lost in status, and he only finished 500 against Kentucky. They are going to get that atmosphere for the rest of the season when they go on the road. You, you've got to yeah. be able to, to battle back. You've got to be able to get quality possessions out of your half court. Look, I, I thought it was a little bit of fool's gold with North Carolina and UCLA uh, as far as their pace of play. That's not going to be the way we get played the rest of this season. Number one, UCLA, UNC are the only teams that have those kinds of guys that can go up and down. Not knocking the talent level of Louisville or any of the other teams, but nobody else is going to play that way. Nobody else coaches that way. And it takes a little bit of mental, again, to say what Cal said, discipline for our young guys to understand, yeah, you played in the 90s and the 100s. You're going to have to grind out some 60, 70-point games along the way. You know, what does that mean? Fewer shots. What does that mean? You've got to value those possessions. You can't be as careless with the ball if your possessions are fewer. So there's some very valuable lessons. Louisville played well. They deserve to win the game. I'm not going to say it was an officiated case. And with every game, there's bad calls both sides, good calls both sides. It was a great game. It was a game befitting, I think, the best rivalry in college basketball. And speaking of Louisville, we have on the line now a friend of our show, one of the co-hosts of the 35th in Kentucky show, uh, reps that Carter Red, just as hard as we rep Kentucky Blue. He's getting set now to watch his Cardinals take on the Virginia Cavaliers at the top of the hour, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, L.J. the Fiasco joins us right now. On the 35th Kentucky Show, LJ, thanks for taking the time before another marquee game for the Cardinals to jump on the show and kind of recap the Cardinals' win over Kentucky uh, last Wednesday. Man, appreciate you hopping on. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. How you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for joining us. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus yes sir no We're problem good. no problem yeah, well, I'm man. doing a lot better after that game last Wednesday. I've been, uh, you know, feeling really good <laughs> over here, man, for the first time in four years. So I want to thank the Kentucky Wildcats for helping me out with my, my Christmas gifts and, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, 
And and here's my thing. It was it was a good game, you know, for a stretch there. The games weren't that good as far as aesthetically pleasing, but the last couple have been pretty good. The, yeah. You know, the games have been played within six or seven points. You know, in 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 last year, you guys had a shot to to win. You know, this year we had a shot to tie. That is what you want if you're a fan of basketball in the state of Kentucky. Well, let me just say this, man. Um, everybody in the state of Kentucky, for those who are outside of the state, they wonder why Kentucky has the highest, you know, blood pressure and heart attacks and all that. <laughs> it's because of watching this, man. So I was I was fortunate to get tickets to the game last minute, and I was able to go. And man, I I just I I hate this game. I love the rivalry. I hate this game because every year it makes everybody just act crazy, man. So luckily, Louisville got a <laughs> Got to taste the robbery, got to taste the win for the first time in four years. But I will say this: I believe the score was fifty-seven, fifty-three, and Kentucky had t- taken the lead. And that's normally when Rick does something stupid on his part, or he subs somebody crazy, and you guys just end up winning by seven or eight points. So I was like, "Here we go again." But luckily, man, we got to you know, luckily we were able to pull this now, so I'm happy. And, and I, I agree with you. I tell people, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, the games kind of stop being fun, and I'm saying that, and my team wins. But it's just, it, it, I think the last few years it's become so elevated. But right. Quentin Snyder, look, I'm a Louisville guy, born and raised, to see a Louisville kid kind of fulfill his dream. You know, I tell everybody, I was a Louisville fan growing up, okay? I, you know, and, and, and you dream of playing in that game, and he lived out that dream that everybody, uh-huh. every kid has had, you know, that's amazing. And I think that's kind of what is missed a little bit, too, in the rivalry. We need some hometown, home state guys to really perform well. I think that makes it even better. And, and just to piggyback off what you just said, look at last year, Dominic Hawkins coming from, uh, you know, from Richmond, coming from uh, Madison yeah. Central, yeah. I believe. He has a big game in the rivalry. And Derrick Anderson going to Dawes, he had a big game in the robbery. DeJuan Wheat went to Ballard as, as well. Yeah. He had a big game in the robbery. So it's always good to see a guy homegrown, especially a guy like you who, like, I, I've been, like, so upset because he never shows emotion. He's always quiet. He never even pumps his fist. Like, but on Wednesday, I don't know what happened, man. The guy just, like, the light turned on for him, and he just, you know, he had a great game. So we're fortunate to come out with a W. And And, and I was there – covering it and I you know we've we've played basketball we've watched basketball and my thing is and I can't remember who I said it to he hit I think it was like his third or fourth kind of acrobatic shot yeah and he looked around and I said to myself we are in trouble (laughs) because there's 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 a look and we I think we all know it you see it on Michael Jordan's face but you know old people like me and Vinny you I remember Isaiah Thomas in the 88 finals had – there was a look like he was saying, I'm not going to let my team lose. Yes. You, don't see it every, you, you don't see it every game. You know, it's not something that you can just point to every game and see it. But it was kind of, you know, even like LeBron last year in the finals. You know, there was that dunk – or not that dunk where he blocked Steph Curry and the stare right. down. Yeah. You kind of said to yourself, he's not going to let his team lose. And I and it, this was in the first half, and I said, if we don't get to a seven or eight point lead at halftime, we're not going to win this game. That is absolutely accurate, man. But I, I was a little nervous about that because 
I knew that we could we could compete. I knew our defense would keep it in. I just didn't know where the score was going to come from. And any Louisville fan that said that they felt overly confident going to that game, you know, I'm, show me that fan, I'll show you a liar. Because <laughs> history has shown to us, man, like we can't compete with you guys' point guards. I mean, go back all the way back to John Wall. Then go to Brandon Knight. Then go to Marcus Teague. Then go to the Harrison Twins. Then go to Eulis for two years. The point guard play in this rivalry for Kentucky has been exceptional. And I'm, I was more worried about De'Aaron Fox, and he still got 21 in that game. Malik Monk, I knew we were going to take him away because Rick always takes away one player that kills the rest of the team. Now, my yeah. thing is, and I was telling uh, some U.K. fans at work, I couldn't believe that you guys didn't keep pounding in the band because we saw the band was yeah. baptized and honest for the entire yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you're yeah. saying that, and, 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 and the look on Cal's face in the postgame, when somebody asked him, he couldn't believe it either. Like nobody could believe it. Like what, what's, I mean, it was like, I think three or four straight possessions. There was a couple of dunks that he had. And then there was the yeah. one to, 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 to Vinny's uh, guy, Michael Mulder inside out for a three. And you're thinking, I'm thinking, yeah. okay, we have figured this out, go to BAM and work off that. And then we just went away from it. I don't anticipate that to be what goes on going forward, but it, it was a great game. Absolutely, uh, and I'm I, I'm glad we had that that great game in the rivalry because I still say it's better than it's better than Duke and North Carolina. You know, oh, absolutely. when they rivalry, hands down, hands down. Yeah, when they when they rivalry, they send sternly worded letters to the editor. We rivalry, we fight at dialysis clinics. Okay, we we <laughs> take it to the streets. That's <laughs> that's how I'm we saying do. you okay. you've never seen a rivalry where a bridge gets involved and people are upset because the bridge is going to be a certain color. In oh, Louisville. my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vinny, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, you probably saw it on Twitter, but one of the bridges here in town, they were doing a fundraiser of some sort, and it was going to be, do we like the bridge red or do we like the bridge uh, blue? And you donate money and this, that, and the other. And then people are talking about the voting was rigged. and And I'm like, of all the things to rivalry about, we are rivaling <laughs> about the color of a bridge. And I had to agree with some of my Louisville friends. Yeah, I had to agree with some of my Louisville friends. Most of these Kentucky fans that don't live in Louisville aren't even going to be see the bridge. What are we arguing right. about? That's what, I, that's what blew my mind about that. I, I just didn't understand why I was up for debate. Like, imagine – Someone imagine uh, making Kingland red for the day. You know, I mean, just imagine that. Like people lose their minds. So I'm just like, why is this even up for debate? And, and furthermore, who cares? Like, you know, yeah. we're going to be in the Yum Center. Nobody's going to care. But like I said, man, it was just it lets you know there's no no love lost in the rivalry. Yeah, and, and, exactly and like right. I said, it was it, the atmosphere was was fantastic. I mean, from just the palpable buzz before the game, and of course with ESPN game day kind of having their truncated game day there, right. it, it, it was great. You know, from the time you walk in, it was, it, was, it was something special. I'm glad I was there. But like I've told – LJ, I'm going to tell you like I've told my other Louisville fans, you can't make me feel bad because I don't know if you heard, LJ, I didn't really have a seat, so I was standing kind of in the uh, walkway by the Louisville bench. Okay. So the hor- the horns buzz, and of course, yum is ridiculously loud. 
So my team has just lost a rivalry game, and there's almost 20,000, 21,000 people cheering. So we go to the media room, and I don't know if you've ever been in Yum. It is right next to the Louisville dressing room. Right. So as yes. we're getting ready for the, we're getting ready for the post game, and I can hear the Louisville players, Kentucky, who you don't want these cards, <laughs> L's up. Look, you can't make me feel bad because that was pretty bad right there. That was pretty. <laughs> that was a low point to be in the, in the Yum system. It, it, it really was great. I, I thought both coaches post game. Uh, I think they both understand this rivalry. I think for a little bit. Cal tried to downplay it a little bit, but he understands this is an important game. And I think Rick kind of understands kind of where he is in the rivalry. And and this is what you want. I really – it was a very, very good experience. Yeah, well, let let me tell you like this. My season – I got season tickets for the uh, football games, and I sit about four rows from the field. My seats just happen to be next to the visitor section. So whenever you have a visiting team – you know, say Florida State or whoever, we sit right beside them. So Kentucky, uh, walking out seeing, I don't know, about 5,000 Kentucky fans celebrating the Governor's Cup for the first time in five years. That, <laughs> that didn't really help. And then and then last week I hear Vinny, he calls in. We talked to Vinny on the 35th in Kentucky. And just to hear Vinny, I can hear him just smiling through the phone. And I'm just like, oh, man. Yeah, he got the Heisman, but he's got that blemish now, like, we know that Kentucky beat the Heisman winner. And even he was there. And the Kentucky man, you could just hear the Kentucky fans just kind of gloating in the young center. Like, oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson, huh? Yeah, we beat him. But, you know, so, hey, like I told Benny, it, it, it all, it, it, like, we're even, I guess, for now. Because next year we all know that the universe is going to write itself because I'm pretty sure we'll get football. And I know that Cal's not going to lose two in a row. So, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. And, and, and since we got you on, LJ, I, you know, growing yeah. up as a Louisville fan, I remember real young when Howard Schnellenberger came to town. You know, he had mm-hmm. the credentials from Miami, and he made that infamous statement, you know, that the University of Louisville is on this path to a national championship. The only variable right. is time. And everybody thought he was crazy. Well, I mean, you're playing in a triple-A ballpark. You literally can't give tickets away, Right. I mean, right. I remember you would go get a fill up a tank of gas, and here's two tickets to Louisville game. You're like, no thanks, I'm not going. Which is funny because you, you hear all these people, oh, I was in Cardinal Stadium. No, you weren't. My parents had season tickets, and those fans would be in the couple of thousands. You know, I get it. But you look at where it was in my lifetime, and we're not talking about 50 years ago. I'm talking 20 years ago from where right. Louisville's football program was to now having the Heisman Trophy winner, to now having eight wins kind of be disappointing, that is amazing. And I tip my hat to uh, Tom Jurich and to Petrino. And, and for all those coaches that have added to that, it's fantastic. As a Louisville citizen, look, I love Lamar Jackson. Great kid. I'm glad he won it. It is a good thing for the university. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I remember being in the last game at Cardinal Stadium, the old Cardinal Stadium, and it being maybe probably about 9,000 fans there. And then Louisville blew like a, a 20-something point lead and lost the game. They went 1-10 that year, 1-11. And I just remember like, man, it can't get any worse. And to see the program go from that to, 
you know, Lamar's getting his name called on the Heisman stage, and it's just like, oh, man, that's, that's nuts. But, you know, I I, I couldn't – I'd be lying if I told you I'm not disappointed a little bit because at one point Louisville was one win away, probably one spot away from being in the Final Four for football. And then, you, you know, you go to Houston, you have a nightmare game there. You come home to Kentucky, and your, your defense is just obliterated by uh, Stephen, Stephen Johnson. I'm, is it Stephen or Stephen? I always mess it up. It's Stephen. Steven. The, uh, you get obliterated by him, and he outplays. You know he outplays your Heisman winner. You know to be honest, which he he had a disciplined game. But you know, shout out to those guys, man. And and you know the the players never really get into the rivalry. They they play it, but shout out to them because I, I saw a lot of UK football players um, giving props to Lamar as soon as he won, and Johnson being one of them, uh, Benny Snell being another. Like I said, the fans we don't know how to act, but. <laughs> The players, they always give respect, man. They always give respect. And I always had one or two players on Kentucky's team that I just that I just admire their game. Last year, it was uh, Tyler Ewell. The year before, that was Carl Anthony Towns. This year, man, I don't know if it's going to be between Darren Fox or it's going to be between Bam, but Darren Fox, he was going to be a Louisville Cardinal, and I blame I blame everybody, especially Katina Powell, because the weekend that he was there on campus, he was with T.J. Leaf, and the news broke of the scandal. And I said, there's no way. There's no effing way that he's going to come now. And, of course, he took his towels down to Lexington, and you guys are even the benefits, man. But, you know, luckily we got a W on him. So if he is here just one year, he's, he's sitting on the L for that one year that he was here from Louisville. So we can play. If it makes you feel better, you, you know the NCAA, however the seeding goes, you know we're going to play. Absolutely. At least in the final, it, it, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know they say it doesn't come into it, but you know they're going to try to do what they can to uh, to minimize that. So real yeah. quick, tonight mm-hmm. you, you you all have which I think I, this is atrocious. I hate Virginia basketball. I think it is totally yeah. it 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 is the basketball that your grandparents played. I'm not a fan of it at all. And you all got to play those guys and and. What are your thoughts about that? Okay, well, Terry, man, just to just to answer your question, I had a chance to go to the game tonight, and I literally contemplated it before I turned it down. I never turned on Louisville tickets. And tonight I was just like, you know, I can't stand watching Virginia play. That The pack line <laughs> defense is effective, but, I, I mean, I can't stand boring defensive basketball. It's crazy that sound, but yeah. Virginia doesn't just make it boring. They make it not fun. They hold the ball until yeah. probably five, six seconds left in the shot clock. They play great defense, and it's, it's going to be in the 50s. To answer your question, I'm taking too much time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville lost this game because for some reason it, we, only, we only beat them off of a mango shot uh, a couple of years back. They always play us well. They always frustrate us. They always uh, get us out of our game. Rick has no answer for the pack line defense. We don't shoot well against it at all with a good shooting team. So I would imagine this team, they can't really shoot that well what we're going to see tonight. So don't be surprised if the final score is probably, you know, 51 to 45 or something like that. And I'm pretty sure the Louisville will be in the teams at halftime. Mark my words. I'll be, I'm, I'm going to jinx them here because if I, if I talk negative about them, they'll do the opposite. So if <laughs> yeah. Louisville has more than 18, 18 points at halftime, I'll be shocked. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll pr- they'll prove me wrong. But – that defense is stout. Man, I can't stand Virginia basketball. I, I cannot stand it. I don't care how effective it is. I don't care how much they win. It is boring and it's not fun to watch. And I can't stand when we play them. And y'all are also on a on a run of 
in the schedule of ranked teams. Yeah, Kentucky and Virginia is ranked 12. And I think it's Notre Dame and Duke. Is that the four in a row? Well, no, nah, it's, it's Indiana next. So we got the snitches next. So okay. they're the reason that we're out of the mess now because they told on us. So we got the snitches, then we got Notre Dame. So we got murderers roll, man. Like it started with y'all I, and it ends with Notre Dame. It, it, here's my thing. Be, 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 What's the record going to be at the end of those four, in your opinion? Uh, well, right now, you know, thanks to Kentucky, we're one to know. Uh, right. <laughs> Sorry, honestly, Louisville can go. Louisville can go one and three in this game, or they can go two and two. I, I see more of a two and two. I'd be shocked if it's three and one or, or better. I'd be shocked, honestly. I mean, I know we're young, but I know we have shooting roles and we have these slumps. So as of right now, if we're going to go ahead and put it on the table, give me two and two with wins against Indiana and losses to Notre Dame and Virginia because. Notre Dame has our number as well, so there you go. Let me let me flip to one real thing real quick that we can all agree okay. on. And you know he is in y'all's conference. This 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 dude Grayson Allen, you know, suspended for tripping everybody. He did the same thing last year. Let me get let's just throw his name out as a topic and just you know talk about him for real quick minute before we let you go. Uh well, um the first yeah. person he actually tripped was Ray Spalding, for the you know yeah. when they played Louisville, Louisville played him. Uh, I think he tripped a guy in I can't remember who they who they were playing. I think it was Boston College or somebody. They tripped another guy. I think honestly, man, if it would have been nipped in the bud last year, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It wouldn't have happened right. this year. By Coach K not even, by Coach K not even coming out and saying, Hey, you're wrong with spinning him or sitting him down. It let him know that's okay. The ACC didn't snag his hand. The ACC didn't right. even take a look at it. So now this happened again. I don't care nothing about Grayson Allen crying. I don't care nothing about him throwing these temper, temper tantrums on the bench. He's crying in the locker room. You know what, dude? You're a grown man. You're a 19, 20 year old dude. You know how the game is played. You know that it was wrong, and you know you got away with it. The St. Cameron Indoor. You know the, the same. <laughs> you're not going to be protected by Coach K and Duke. So I basically think he'll sit during the like the whack part of their schedule, the the weak teams. But when they play yeah. Louisville on the fourteenth of January, I'm pretty sure he'll make his return. Guaranteed that he'll make right. his return in that game. So I mean, nobody is above the law in college basketball. I mean everybody has to pay a price. And Grayson Allen, Malik Monk, Quinn Snyder, whoever, if they do something like that, then that makes you a punk. I mean playing some of the makes you a punk in everybody's eyes. So hopefully, you know, he'll get to the NBA and, you know, <laughs> do that to the Marcus Cousins. That's all I want. I want him to do this to the Marcus Cousins. 
The funny thing about that, Vinny, is Wednesday morning, Mike DeCourcy wrote an article kind of, uh, you know, defending Grayson Allen a little bit. So we're at halftime there at Yum, and that's when ESPN blasts on this latest incident. And he just says, well, that was a, you know, that was a poorly timed article. Because, I mean, you can't defend <laughs> you can't defend that. And it, no. you know, it's one of these things, I, I think, had it not been Duke, had it not been Coach K, I, I think that the conference would have stepped in. Absolutely. And I think that Coach K had some tone deafness in this situation with his comments that night. You know, we'll look into it. I'm not going to be forced to do X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, you, you have to, as a coach, say we are not going to tolerate this. Look, I have seen Rick Pitino sit players down in Louisville, in, at, at, at Kentucky, at Providence for, for some Mickey Mouse stuff like that. I've seen Cal do it. I, I mean, nothing you know, of, of that nature, but if you're not playing the way to represent the university on the front, take a seat. And, Absolutely. and for for K to keep playing them, you're, then you're telling them it's okay. There's no repercussions. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you're not coaching it, if you're not coaching it, and and you know he would he would definitely say, I'm not coaching it. Well, then you have to be condoning it because you let it happen, and no doubt he would say he's not condoning it. Well, then what are you doing? Because it continues to happen. It carried over from one season all through the summer until the following season. So he can say yeah. and do what he wants, but either way, one or the other. Well, I'm not coaching this. Well, then you condone it. I don't condone this. Well, then you in fact telling them to do it because that, that's what uh, I don't know. Even Jay Bill to Jay Williams saying that he has to be doing this in practice for to just carry over in the game. It's, it's such a habit for him. Yeah, and yeah. even Jay Williams comes out as a former Duke guy. At the at halftime of Louisville's game, actually, Louisville took it, and he was just like, "Yeah, I don't feel any remorse for it." And like, you know, you gotta understand, Coach K. I I feel like he's the best coach in the college basketball, and that's over Red Cal, whoever. And I feel like he teaches class more than anything. But for him to be condoning it for the past year and a half, man, it's, it was kind yeah. of troubling to see. Like, well, well, what's going on here? But Grayson will learn from it, man. I don't think he'll do it again. I think, uh, you know, he's got his hand smacked finally. So. I'll be shocked yeah. if he did it again. If he does, then you got to suspend him for longer. It's got to be 10 games for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. Man, definitely. I know you're about to get ready for this game. The, the snooze fest is going to be U of L against UVA. Uh, appreciate you hopping on before the game to, to, to go over UK, U of L, preview, cards, and Cavaliers and all that. But, man, we'll let you go so you can get all set up and, and take in your cards. Congratulations again on y'all breaking through and winning 73 to 70. Uh, and maybe the university will write itself next year. But it is going to be fun. The rivalry is fun in all sports right now. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I guarantee we will see you in March. I'm pretty sure they'll put us in the same region. So we're looking forward to seeing y'all in the Sweet 16. And be looking forward to being pissed off in the three sixteen because we got to play y'all and you know man y'all y'all keep doing what y'all doing I appreciate y'all having me on man and you know go cars go Kroger. <laughs> thank hey, you, man. LJ. Thank you. All right, take, take care, care LJ. Appreciate it, man. LJ Fiasco, 
uh, Rex for Car Sport Zone, co-host on the 32nd second show, friend of the show. Always fun having him on. It's always fun being able to go on their show as well. So thanks to him for hopping on. Man, uh, TV, we just getting started. We'll catch up, reps, take us a quick break. But we we got so much more stuff to jump into on this fun edition of Cat Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Bradley Hardy Radio Network, BlogTalkRadio.com. We'll be right back in a couple minutes. Hardy, Terry Brown, 
Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, 845-277-9373. Number if you want to give us a call, feel free to do so. Just at LJ Fiasco, hop on with us. Look back at Cats and Cards from last Wednesday. And now we look ahead tomorrow. Kentucky starts SEC play against Ole Miss. And like you said, TV, it will be that kind of atmosphere. Game in and game out on the road. Uh, Ole Miss has a brand new arena now. Um, so they'll be, you know, looking to pack that uh, and get a win against probably the best team that's going to go to Oxford this year. Uh, so it's just that's the way it's going to be from here on out. Uh, Dominique Hawkins and Derek Willis know, but uh, Derek Fox and Malik Monk, bam, they're going to get a dose. Got a dose last Wednesday, and it's going to be that way in Oxford and Knoxville and, you know, Nashville, wherever they go. Columbia, that's how it's going to be. Here we go. Yeah, and, and uh, those guys, like, they got to learn. It's going to be trial by fire. Uh, I, I think that the Cats, uh, I wrote about this on com. I think they can still salvage a one seed, but that includes beating Kansas and, and only dropping, you know, two games in, in, in the conference season. Uh, we know that even though the teams aren't very good, that's still uh, a lot to ask for a, a, a young team. Uh, so they've got to show us from last week to this week a little bit of improvement, recognition, that if Bam is going, you got to feed Bam the ball. And, and he's done better the last few games being decisive on the double teams, passing, reposting, getting the ball back, making his move away from the double team. He's getting a whole lot better with that. So uh, I think the Cats will win. Uh, they've got a few games to get get kind of uh, back going. Uh, Kansas looming toward the end of, of January. So uh, I know they're going to be ready to get back out there, get that losing taste out of their mouth. And, and, and let's not – uh, panic just yet. Kentucky's got two losses, but at Louisville and even you know, though it was at home, uh, UCLA aren't bad losses. Uh, you know, you, you don't want that malaise to cause you to drop one, you know, at Ole Miss or home to somebody. Uh, so right. all is not lost just yet. Right, right. And, and, you know, free throws would have still won the Louisville game. As you know, good as Louisville played, you know, Clint Snyder balling out, uh, Dingadell, which uh, he was highly recruited for them, but, you know, he kind of put it all together that game as well. You know, the free throw line still kind of jumped up in Big Kentucky in the end, uh, the last in the closing minutes, and there, there was still a chance to win the game. And like you said, Malik Monk came back down to earth. He bombed in that three to cut it to one. And then he had, of course, another look to tie the game there at the end. So, uh, you know, a couple of plays here, a couple of plays there. There's a free throw. Kentucky's looking at nine out of ten against Louisville. But uh, like you said, the streak wasn't going to last forever. The, the gap was close in basketball, just like football, even though the end results had been one-sided. So, you know, give a little credit for breaking through 
uh, in snapping that streak, and they were able to take care of business at home. So you got to tip your hat. But it is. It is very close. It's paper thin, even in football and basketball. Yeah, and it's 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 a good thing for, for everybody. And, and, you know, I, I kind of touched on the women's basketball game. Those programs are, are nationally ranked. And, and Louisville has, women have been to a Final Four. It, 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 it's, it's really something when you look at kind of where these programs have been, you know, the non-men's basketball programs on, on both schools, it, it's been a pretty good, been a pretty good run. Yeah. And even, even baseball, you know, with some hard fought games, uh, Kentucky had a, a solid baseball season. Louisville was good. I think Louisville got the better of it. I think they won both games, uh, but they were hard fought, you know, heartbreakers. So, yeah, like you said, across the board, revenue sports, non-revenue, men's sports, women's sports, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, the cards get together, and it's going to be uh, a high-intensity uh, knockdown, drag-out battle. Uh, so that's it's fun across the board for the whole state, regardless of sports. Like you said, it's good for everybody, uh, and we continue to look forward to that. Um I'll, I'll go ahead and hit your Lakers now. Like you said, we, Phil and Jeannie, that was that was the news of the day to me that wasn't UK-related. I mean, they, they've been separated across the country. He's in New York now. She's in L.A. And will that, will that maybe help her, help her focus more on the Lakers now? Or uh, you see any changes as far as on the courts for the Lakers now that this news is, you know, Develop what's what's to deal with the Lakers. Now, well, and I've I've watched the Lakers a bit because even when they're not very good, like record wise now, they're still on TV a lot, and I, I like what they have going on. I uh, I've been on Lakers Twitter talking to some folks, and, and most folks are kind of like I am. They are a superstar away from being competitive. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous statement to make, but L.A. is still L.A. The Lakers are still the Lakers. And rightly or wrongly, a lot of us Laker fans still feel that, okay, it's still a destination place. It's still Hollywood. I know the Clippers and all that. But, yeah, the Lakers are still Hollywood. And I think I sent you the, uh, this piece talking about there's kind of heavy talk of bringing Boogie to the Lakers. And, and still some folks are saying that there will be a play made for Russell Westbrook down the road. I, I think D'Angelo Russell has been playing real well for the Lakers. I like what Brandon Egram is bringing so far. And, and our guy, Julius Randle, has been playing ridiculously well. Uh, he set a career high in blocks the other night. He had a triple-double last week or so. Uh, they're new just daddy, young. New daddy, Julius Randle, too. Yeah, new daddy Julius Randle. Uh, and you know how that is when you got that firstborn, you, you get a little extra pep in your step. But uh, for, for me, because last night they lost 102 to 100. And, and games like that, if you had a man, if you had the guy, I, I think you kind of flip those games over. There's a lot of those games that they're losing. They're just not able to close out those games. And a lot of it has to do with uh, not quite being healthy. Uh, Russell missed some time. Randall missed some time. They've been kind of banged up. Lou Williams has been fantastic off the bench for him. 
averaging almost 20 points a game. As far as the genie and Phil, you know, I did. I don't think that their relationship had an impact with what the Lakers were doing on the court. Uh, I think yeah, it's been well documented. I would like to see Jeannie have a bigger role in the Lakers organization because I think she kind of follows uh, the mindset of, of uh, what Dr. Buss, Dr. Jerry Buss, before he, before he passed away, she kind of follows along with his mindset is, you know, you can draft and get some guys. And, and bring in some superstars that are going to that aren't on the tail end of their career. You know, Dwight Howard, not really the best fit for the Lakers. Steve Nash, whatever we paid him, he only paid played like ten games. Uh, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, you've got to invest a little bit and, and roll the dice and, and, and return back to that franchise. Uh, I think they've done fantastic this year. They may get to 40 wins. I think that's still kind of optimistic. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to you about they still have that Grammy road trip in February, which is always grueling even for the best Lakers teams. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I like what they're doing. Uh, Luke Walton, I think, has, has been a really good fit. It's hard to believe Luke Walton is younger than us. Luke, Luke Walton, yes. Yes. He's 37 years old? Yes. He is well, younger. I know he's younger than me. And you think about what he's done in Arizona, winning championship with the Lakers, being an assistant. With the, he's done a lot. And I just noticed, like, he's not as old as us. Because, you know, uh, Richard Jefferson on Christmas, you know, he went in the way back and yeah. had a couple of dunks. Yeah. And, and, and somebody was like, well, yeah, he played with Luke Walton. I'm like, are you kidding me? These guys are younger than, younger than us, and, and, and Walton already kind of got a resume uh, going. Uh, so I feel good about what he's doing. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel really confident the Lakers are going to get back. I think they've got pieces that are going to be enticing to a, a big-name free agent. You know, who that is, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's probably not going to be LeBron or Durant or anything like that. But I think they can get a guy, they can get an all-star in and be a really competitive uh, team. When you look at supporting pieces, it's not that different from what Russell Westbrook has in Oklahoma City. Uh, You know, I don't think the talent gap or the supporting cast is that uh, different. It's all about who you have to get up to get somebody. Uh, But, you know, hey, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's not shield your eyes terrible like it has been the last two years 
So we'll go from there. There you go. There you go. And I was, like you said, we're a little optimistic. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about them reaching 17 wins before the end of this calendar year. And they hit some bumps, had some injuries. Like you said, Russell was out. Um, some of the other guys were hurt. I think Larry Nance is hurt now or has been battling some injuries. So they had a little eight-game loser streak. And, and like you said, they still got the Grammy road trip. So they, they probably won't hit 17 now before, you know, New Year's Eve. But they'll still pass it for the season. You know, they won't be 17 and 65 like they were last year. So that's steps in the right direction. And and, 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 and I've talked about this. Uh, this is unusual for Laker fans, a, a rebuilding phase. They've never really had one. What do you think about it? As far as just being having to start over from scratch, because even and I, I know I'm repeating myself a little bit, even with Magic Johnson and his surprise retirement in '91, they didn't fall off quite like this. Because within a couple of years, you bring in Van Exel, you bring in Eddie Jones, uh, Cedric Sabalos, and, you, and you're back to being a playoff uh, caliber team again. So this is this stretch we've been in the last three years. It's unusual for Laker fans, but this is, and I know I've given uh, Junior Bus a lot of uh, hassle, but this is something the, the Lakers organization just doesn't understand. What are we doing? You know, we don't know how to recover from quite, being quite like this. So uh, I, I think they'll be back in it sooner rather than later. Yeah, and. In a couple of minutes, we're going to look to get Mark Logan on. But um, they won – Magic won five titles. You talk about 91, surprise retirement in November. Well, in June, he's playing the Bulls in the finals. Uh, you know, lost to the Bulls 4-1, to but, you know – for him to make the announcement, too, how healthy is he really then? Uh, is he at full strength? Does he maybe beat the Bulls in 91? Then you go to 89. Uh, and you'll remember better than me. Is that the year I think he had a hamstring injury and the Pistons beat him? Because uh, I remember Arsenio Hall, I don't know if you used to watch it, Arsenio was just impersonating magic, getting hurt, how mad he was when that hamstring started acting up, and so he wasn't full strength for that one. I mean, he he reasonably had a shot at seven, but he was kind of hurt in two of those losses in the final. Well, and, and my thing is, I, okay, I've told you, I'm a Kobe guy, but Magic is still my number one. He's my Lakers guy. Nine trips to the finals between his rookie year in 80 and 91. Nine trips to the finals. With five wins, I know it's not six and zero. Oh, I, I I get that, but that's a pretty that is pr- a pretty good clip. Yeah. And you factor like you said, injured in eighty nine. Uh, Byron Scott was also injured in eighty nine, uh, so it was basically worthy James Worthy having to shoulder the load. Uh, a couple of those head to head matchups with uh, uh, with Larry Bird. And, and right, it, it, a play here, play there, you know, an injury here. And, and Magic 
could also have six or seven uh, titles. Um, and then, you know, that stretch in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, the Lakers just could not beat the Celtics. And just, you know, just that that string. Um, you know, what this low period has done, there was a couple years, up until a couple years ago, you have to factor in the Lakers, number two to the Celtics in championships, but they had represented the Western Conference in half of the NBA Finals. That is mind-boggling. And even Bill Simmons, the sports guy, who we know is a Boston homer, he wrote an article a couple <laughs> years ago about, about how the Lakers were the preeminent North American franchise. Wow. You know, be, because, because they, I mean, they're in it. They, they haven't had a stretch. Like the Celtics were kind of out of it between uh, 86 you know, they tried Patino and then, you know, Paul Pierce yeah. and, and, and uh, Antoine Walker to kind of get them respectable. But the Lakers really hadn't had that dip. I've talked about it, and the Lakers, more so than any other franchise in North American sports, I can't speak to the, uh, you know, European soccer or anything, but the seamless way they transition, not just from all-star, but from a super-duper player, from George Mikan. And then you get Jerry West, the logo, and Wilt Chamberlain. And then Chamberlain leaves, and then you, next thing you know, you get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, and then Magic comes. And then Magic, like I said, there's that little hiccup. And then, okay, here's Shaq, and you draft Kobe. I mean, they've had a lot of super-duper stars. And hello, I didn't even touch on Elgin Baylor. <laughs> they, they've just been very fortunate to do that. Unbelievable. We will take us another quick break. Start the second hour. We hope to have former UK running back and NFL running back kick returner Martin Logan back on the line with us. Listen to Cats Talk Wednesday, Vinnie Harding, Terry Brown, Bradley Harding Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Right by, cause I'm feeling so high. 
Well, Vinny is working on getting our uh, second guest on the line, Mark Logan, former University of Kentucky running back and NFL player, as we talk some Kentucky football, getting ready ready, uh, for the TaxSlayer.com Bowl. Wildcats taking on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets of the ACC and their vaunted uh, triple option. Uh, had the opportunity to talk a little bit to Freddie Maggard, a uh, friend of the show, does the UK football pregame show, uh, talking uh, to him some tips about playing the triple option. And his thing was for the defense to practice uh, against the scout team without uh, a football. And I asked him why, and his thing was when you're playing that triple option, it's more important to stay in your lane, to stay in your space, to, than to try to chase the ball because as soon as you take one step in the wrong direction, you have opened up the window uh, for a big gain out of that offense. So I know the Cats are working hard. They are already down in Florida getting ready uh, to take on the Yellow Jackets uh, here on Saturday. ATV, we are back. Uh and I was able to kind of get through with former UK running back. Also had a 10-year career in the NFL running back and kick returner. Mr. Martin Logan is on the line with us now on Cat Talk Wednesday. Thanks so much for joining us, Mark. Appreciate you joining us on the show. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Um, well, really thank you for coming on. Time. Yeah, I was Fortunate enough to be able to meet you down at the, the homecoming weekend out in Frankfurt at uh, Prodigy Vineyards and Winery. So it was, it was fun getting to meet you there and hang out with your stuff and some colleagues and all kind of guys in the place in the UK. And, and, and then the Louisville guy, Dirk Minifield, was there too. Was on Frank <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Frank was there and uh, Sonny was there and such a great guy. Really, my first time meeting Sonny uh, as well as yourself. And, um, he invited me down. I came down. It was a great guy, a great guy to meet, and um, enjoyed meeting you and your father as well. Yeah, it was it was a pleasure to meet you. And with Kentucky fixing to play in the bowl game this Saturday, you know, the tax layer bowl used to be the Gator Bowl. You know that you had some good years in the U.K. and played some bowl games as well. Just wanted to, you know, just, Talk about your time at UK and, and your recruitment, what, how you got to UK and some of the good things you remember, and, uh, and, and before you left UK going to the NFL, just, just some of the things that kind of stood out while you were in relationship. You know, it's, um, I had a great time at UK. I was recruited by Jerry Claiborne at, um, out of Bryan Station High School. Uh, three of my teammates, two other teammates of mine, Damani Dawson, uh, as well as Cornell Burbage. We all, uh, I think that was the first time it's ever been done, three guys to go to uh, the University of Kentucky from the same high school. And I think a couple of years later or a year later, they got three guys out of Louisville, which was Donnie Gardner and um, and his teammates up there, uh, Caldwell Garner and Donnie, and uh, uh, I can't think of the other guy's name. <laughs> but um, Andy Murray, that's who it was. And, um so I had a great time at UK. Um, went to a couple bowl games, as you said. Was on the last team to beat Tennessee. Uh, I mean, to beat Florida. I'm sorry. And um, 
we just had some some uh, great times there, uh, coming off an an old ten and one season, and uh, and then going to a bowl game the next year. Uh, I wasn't there at the old ten and one season, but uh, came in the next year as a freshman, um, and I played as a true freshman. That Florida game was eighty six. I know Kentucky won ten to three. What what stands out? What do you remember most? Uh, about beating the Gators that day, and it's, you know it's been such a long time since it happened to you. You know, you know, we just we we just knew how to win. You know, it's that's you know it's a chemistry that you have as as players. Uh, sometimes it has nothing to do with the coaches. <laughs> you just have that feeling <laughs> as players, man. And uh, you know, I played on a couple teams like that um, in the National Football League, uh, starting out with the Bengals and the Browns and went to the offense, but when I got to the 49ers, they taught me how to win. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't matter how far down we were in the score. We just knew we were going to win the game. When, you know, when that last time clicked off the clock, we knew we were going to be winners when it was oh, over. And, oh. and that's just how we felt uh, at UK. We just took it among ourselves, and uh, we just, you know, just really dug in deep because we wanted to win that game so bad, and uh, and we did. But uh, just had a great bunch of guys, uh, Tony Mays, uh, just so many guys on defense that that really played an outstanding game for us against Florida that year. Talking with former UK NFL running back kick returner Mark Logan. From week to week, game to game in the SEC at Kentucky, how did your preparation change when you did have that time off? getting ready for a bowl game. For you personally, how, did your approach change that you had such a long layoff before you kind of got it rolled again in the bowl game? You know, I think the preparation is, is always the same. Uh, you know, even when I go and I speak to high school or middle school uh, students, you know, they, they talk about preparation. They talk about the game. And, you know, the, from from middle school to high school, from high school to college, from college to the National Football League. Football is always the same. Uh, the difference in the game is the speed of the game. You know, the difference from moving from high school to, to, to college is the speed of the game. From college to the NFL is the speed of the game. So we would, all, as personally, I would pretty much prep myself the same way. Uh, but I would actually visualize myself making plays. I would just that, that night I would just lay in the bed and and um put myself in certain situations and uh, and then when those situations actually come into place your mind step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite sources social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And it's already prepared. And you, you'll do well if you do that. But you got to see yourself making plays. You got to see yourself doing, doing the things, doing your assignment, picking up your blocks. You got to actually go through your playlist and just uh, see yourself doing it. And then when, those, when that opportunity knocks, your mind is already prepared for it. I think that helped me more than anything. Now, when you talk about your preparation, Mr. Logan, and you're getting ready for the bowl games, you know, you've got the uh, college season. It's every week there's something. Then you've got that gap between the bowl game. But you've also got that in the NFL where it's regular season, regular season, playoff, playoff, and now you're on that Super Bowl stage. Did the preparation – for, for your Super Bowls, did that change at all, especially kind of given the hoopla of the Super Bowl itself? Well, you you would think that it does, but it really doesn't. You still got to treat every game the same. Uh, I think it intensifies a little bit more. Uh, you may go over things a little bit more than you than you would normally do that for preparation for a game. But, you, you know, being that it is a bigger game, like a bowl game or a Super Bowl game, uh, I think you just take yourself through scenarios and just continue to go over plays because you don't want to be the guy to make the mistake. You know, if you look at any game that's won or lost, you take away maybe two plays, possibly three in the game, and that's the difference of the game. And it's just because somebody may may have fumbled, muffed a punt, you know, turnover some somewhere in the game. You take those three plays out, it's a different ball game. So uh, if you just prepare yourself that way, uh, as far as not, not wanting to be that person to make that mistake and just play mistake-free football, then I think you'll have a heck of a game. Did you do any kick returning at UK? I know you did a lot in the NFL. Yeah, I was actually uh, – Number one in the SEC in kickoff returns um, as a freshman. Well, actually, all through my career, I was in the top three in kick returns. Uh, and then in the National Football League, I was number three in the National Football League behind Mel Gray and uh, another guy. Somebody. Well, Mel Gray played for Detroit at the time, and he was the guy that went to the Pro Bowl that year. Uh, but I was number three in the National Football League in kick returns and punt returns. Which one did you like better, returning kicks or punts, or did it not matter? <laughs> it definitely <laughs> mattered. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love returning kicks. I hated returning punts. <laughs> it's just, you know, it takes a different kind of player to catch those punts, man. I mean, you, you play in so many different stadiums that have crosswinds, and, you know, when you're – when you're playing in Kansas City or somewhere like that, you're always going to have a win, even in Candlestick Park. But if I had to catch punts, man, it, it would mess up my game sometimes. <laughs> I was so worried about I was just praying that we get a first down. I mean, that the other team would get a first down. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, how much, <laughs> that's how much I didn't want to catch punts. I hope we just got a turnover somehow to, to have the exchange of ball or something. <laughs> Logan, let me give us your most memorable game 
and UK and in the NFL were you know were the most fun or you made the most plays or you know which one stands out over your career you know in in the college and pro? Um, <clears throat> I have to say, um, you know, anytime we beat Tennessee, it was always good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Beating Florida was another game that, that stood out. And then uh, the Hall of Fame Bowl against Wisconsin uh, where we won. You know, they called us the Smurfs. You know, they had all those first-rounders on the team with Altoon and those guys. And the announcers were even announcing like we weren't even going to win the game. And um, and I had, you know, five five plays in the whole game, and I got MVP of the game. Wow. And uh, so that – that was a big standout for me. You know, in those five plays, I had a uh, a bowl record on kickoff return. I had two touchdowns and just did a lot of great things just in five plays. And, you know, when I say five plays, that included kickoff returns as well. So, so you know, it was literally five plays that I, I ended up getting the MVP of the game. So that, that stood out with me uh, more than anything. You made the most of your touches that day. Say that again. You you made the most of your touches that day, did sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, I did. I really did. And you, you know, you really have to. You know, chances don't come along uh, all the time, and that's just part of your preparation too. You know, I know when I got into the National Football League and you in training camp, you know, you don't get too many plays, you don't get too many touches. You know, first, second, and third teams taking all the reps. So. You know, I might get one play that day, you know, or two or three plays in the whole practice. So they have to count. Every time you get in, it has to count. And uh, I think that's one reason I ended up making the team and playing for 12 seasons in the National Football League was because I made, um, you know, every play count when it happened. When you When you first got drafted, what were your goals? Were your goals to, to play 10 years, play five years? Were your goals to get to the Super Bowl? How how broad were you looking when you first set foot in the NFL? Well, you know, I, I knew I had the talent. Uh, I didn't think I would play the number of years that I played. Uh, by the grace of God, I did. Uh, as far as him keeping me healthy and keeping me strong all those years was was you know, was a blessing, you know, had no surgeries in 12 seasons. And, you know, when you're carrying what everybody's trying to get, which is that football, <laughs> you know, you you would think that, you know, you would have more injuries. But um, it's like I had, you know, angels encamped around me just protecting me at all times. Uh, it was a blessing, you know, to play that long and to, to uh, do the things that I did for 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 a long time. You know, now you, you, the money is so different. You know, you get guys making $50 million. You don't see them playing, you know, 12 seasons. We had to play 12 seasons to, to make some money, you know, to where they can retire in five years and still have $40 million in the bank. So, you know, it's it's a whole different game. But it was tough because I came out during the strike. So I never, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, the year that I was drafted was the year of the strike. And I was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which was a team that uh, was the lowest-paying team in the league. That's one reason they went on strike. You know, they have a 49-man roster, and they're, you know, they're 
salary cap might have been, you know, thirty million, where the forty nineers got forty nine man roster and their cap was a was a hundred million. You know, it made it tough. But everybody wanted to play for teams like that. So the strike forced a team like the Niners to come down to like sixty million and force a team like the Bengals to come up to sixty million. So now it looks like everybody's getting paid a whole lot more money, but, you know, the money was going to that, you know, left tackle, your quarterback, your best receiver. And so everybody was still making minimum wages, you know. So, you know, on paper it looked good, but, you know, actually, actually, you know, it wasn't wasn't that well, it wasn't that good for anybody. Were you you on the Super Bowl team in Cincinnati that played against San Francisco in 88-89? I sure was. <laughs> it was uh, my rookie season, and um, uh, played in my first Super Bowl. My you know first year out of college, which was which was great, and uh, actually had that game won. But you know they had a quarterback by the name of Joe Montana. If you're familiar with him, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he just kind of did his thing. Uh, you know, one of the greatest. Well, that was Super Bowl 23, and Jerry Rice was the MVP with 11 catches, 215 yards, and a touchdown. Not that I have that oh, kind of thing memorized, being a 49er oh, fan. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, I remember that one. I told you, Mark. Oh, yeah. I told you, Mark. <laughs> so you got it memorized, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. So he's that kind of guy, man. He's that kind of player. And uh, it was just, you know, fortunate that I was able to play with the Niners and win a Super Bowl and play with those guys, which was just phenomenal. You know, I felt like um, my career was rebirthed right there, you know, because every other team, we played our games during the week. I mean, we practiced so hard that our games was just – like a break for us, you know. But when I went to the Niners, man, it was like playing flag football. <laughs> so, you know, I've I seen guys get cut because they hit somebody. So, it was, you know, that's somewhere you want to end your career, you know, because you'll probably play more years, but you don't want to start there and, and end up somewhere else where they really just bang you up in practice all day. But, uh, you know, had a great team, great great teammates, and Deion Sanders, Merton Hanks, Ken Norton Jr., uh, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Joe Montana, uh, Steve Young, Steve Bono. I mean, I had some great quarterbacks who probably could have started for any NFL team at that time. Go, go ahead, Terry. <laughs> no, I'm I, 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 I'm enjoying reminiscing. It's been a while uh, for my Niners, but those, those when I was when I was coming along, absolutely, uh, those guys were just fantastic to watch. And and and, and Vinny, your Cowboys were pretty good at that point in time, if I recall. Uh, you know, a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, anytime we can talk about those glory days of Niners, that makes me a happy guy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You know, they, they, you know, that was America's team at the time, you know, I mean, the, the Niners were just winning everything. And I think it, it starts with management, you know, Eddie DeBarlow, one of the best owners out there. And, uh, 
hands down. I think a lot of teams wanted to mimic everything that he did. Number one, because he was winning, but he knew how to he knew how to manage his staff, manage his players, kept everybody happy. It was a family type uh, team, you know, to where everything, you know, being that I played for five different teams, I know the difference in you know that family atmosphere that I had at the at the 49ers, and uh, it just carried over from management on down. The players just was like family. So I think that's that's the reason why we won a lot of games. And, and I'm glad you said that. Uh, I was able to go to Jerry Rice, uh, his uh, getting enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I went to Canton with a friend of mine, and I've watched others okay. on TV. And it's like every 49ers player that goes in from that era, they always, always mention DeBartolo as being oh, kind yeah. of what you're saying, kind of kind of hands-on. It was a family and that's what kind of breeded the six was there, but but you felt a part of it, and I'm glad you touched on that because, like I said, I, every oh, no. player that goes in says the same kind of thing uh, that you're saying right now. No doubt. I mean, from the biggest superstar to the lowest guy on the tolling pole, he knew your name, and that's huge. You know, I mean, and he treated the guy, the lowest guy on the tolling pole, like he was a superstar. I mean, nobody felt like they were out of place or didn't have the attention or or whatever. Uh, That's just how he treated people. You know, he just was first class all the way. Everything he did was first class. He actually sent – we were the first team to actually win five Super Bowls. And um, Right. That's right, the first team. The first team, Ben. Yeah, I, I hate to interrupt you. Oh, first team to win five. The first to win yeah, five. Yeah, we were the first team. Okay. I, 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 I hate to cut you off, Miss Logan. I apologize. Please continue. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. We were the first team to actually win five Super Bowls, and he sent all five teams to Vegas and paid for everything. We had a huge reunion with five Super Bowl teams there. That included all the, the doctors, anybody that was even affiliated with the team, from chiropractors, doctors, dentists, everybody was there. It's, a, it's amazing because amazing. when we won the Super Bowl that year, uh, the group Boys to Men sung at our uh, at our little gathering after it, you know, just the celebration afterwards. And uh, if you watch some of their videos, they have Super Bowl rings on. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people don't know that, but he must have gave them some Super Bowl rings. <laughs> so that's just the type of person he was. I mean, anybody that was affiliated with our team, believe me, you, you're going to get the benefits of it for sure. Man. And he's still that that way to this day. I could call him up today and have a great conversation. He's just that kind of guy. Man. Yeah. Was was Charles Haley already in Dallas by the time you got to San Francisco, or did you play a year with Charles? No, I played a year with Charles. I think I played did two you? years with Charles did before he left. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, give me just give me your best, the funniest, the most memorable, radio friendly Jay Wright, <laughs> Deion Sanders, Charles Haley story. Wow. 
Charles, let me start with Charles. He was he was a different cat. <laughs> Charles Charles was the man in his own mind. <laughs> but he was such a good player. Looking at him, you wouldn't think he could play a lick. I mean, you just didn't think he was that kind of player, but he was just, he was just so good at what he did. And he was just all technique. He just knew very good technique. And uh, I've seen him and the coach just get into it in practice. He'd tell the coach, get out of my drill, you know, just like he owned the drill. He, he was coaching the, the linebacker, which he was. You know, he played linebacker, then he could play down. He could play anywhere you put him on that field. But he would tell the coach, get out of the drill. I'm coaching this right now. And uh, the coaches would just set back and let him coach. But he knew what he was doing. But he was just a different cat, you know. He was uh, – you know, one minute he, he's your best friend, the next minute he don't know who you are. So, yeah. So, you, uh-huh. you know, you got to keep your friends close sometimes. So, But he was a, he was a great player, uh, great Hall of Famer. I mean, just, just he you know, deserving of everything that he's uh, received. Uh, Jerry Rice, uh, great guy, hard worker at all times. You know, I, that's something that I learned from Jerry is uh, his work ethic of just working hard every play. You know, he would run every play like he's running a go-route, whether the ball was coming to him or not. If, even if it's a run play, you know, he's running that route or he's running that guy off like he's running a, a full-speed go-route. And you you would wait for him to take off plays, but you'll be waiting until, you know, Kingdom Come, I guess, because he, he never takes off plays. You know, you, you see a lot of good players, they might miss a few plays or take off a play, but he never took off a play. Just phenomenal uh, athlete, phenomenal player, great work ethic. Dion, man, they don't get no better than Dion Sanders. I mean, great friend of mine. Um, would, I mean, would take the shirt off his back for you. You know, people that side of Dion, a lot of people don't know. They don't know how humble and, and you know, I say humility, people say that guy's not humble, but he's probably one of the most humble guys I've, I've ever met and been associated with. Because when that camera's in his face, he knows how to make money. <laughs> no, no telling what he'll say or do uh, to promote himself. He, he was a great promoter of himself, and that's how he made a lot of money, you know, but um, – Phenomenal athlete, probably one of the best on the field. I mean, could probably put him anywhere on that field in skill position, and he's going to make it happen. Whether he plays receiver or DB or running back, I think he could do it. Probably one of the fastest guys I've ever seen play, and I've played with some fast ones with Daryl Green and Dion, and, you know, it don't get no faster than them two. Yeah. But, uh, man. That's I don't know who I would bet on. If I was a betting man, that would be a close race right there. <laughs> now, we're talking about former UK Bengals, Dolphins, Niners, Redskins, running back here, returning Mark Logan. I've got your got your stats pulled up on ProFootballReference.com, Mark, and I I see that of course you you were running back and kick returner all throughout your career, but your Receiving yards and catches went up a whole lot more when you got to San Francisco. Do you 
do you did you maybe lobby to catch more passes in Miami and Cincinnati to be used that way more as a receiving threat out of the backfield? Because I mean, you can definitely do that, and the numbers they jump a whole lot. They jump up significantly well, you know, to get to San Francisco. I think I think it's the style of offense. You know, that West Coast offense. <clears throat> Was was a beast, man. I mean, you could really do so much uh, in that offense. I mean, you look a couple of years before I got there. You look at the guy Roger Craig, one of the best running backs out there, who rushed four thousand and caught four thousand in one season. So that lets you know how many how many passes that you can actually catch in, in their system. Um, you know, to tell you a funny story. Coming out of high school. You know, it was Logan left and Logan right. We never did throw the ball. You know, they toss it to me, hand it off to me. When I got to UK, I couldn't catch the lick. I mean, if I was naked in Alaska, I couldn't catch a cold. You know, <laughs> just I mean, I couldn't catch anything. And it got so bad, we we would do we would do catching drills, and I knew I couldn't catch the ball. I would just I had brick hands, and um. I would take my shoestring out of my out of my cleats when that drill would come up, and, and every time, by the time I tied my shoe back up, the drill was over. <laughs> so I, I would do that because I didn't want to catch the ball because that's how bad it was. It was embarrassing that I couldn't catch. And I I uh, actually the next season, that off season during the spring, my teammate Cornell Burbage from high school. He, he threw the ball to me every day. I caught probably 500 balls a day. So he probably threw 1,000 at me to catch 500. But um, <laughs> And then the next season, I led the team in receptions. So that really jump-started my whole career, not just in college, but into the National Football League as far as being the third down back. You know, I was already a starter as a running back. And uh, – but I never came out of the game because when third down came around, I was third down back. So that was, you know, it really boosted my career just taking that that one off season and catching 500 balls, you know. That added another, you know, layer to your game, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. It really did. You know, NFL stands for not so long, you know. <laughs> so if you're not doing the right thing, you won't – you won't be in that league for a long time. If you're just a running back, you can forget it. You know, you got to be able to do a lot of things. And I think that's why I played uh, as long as I did because, you know, I was a, I was a tailback. I was a fullback. I was a third down back. I was a punt returner, a kick returner. You know, I probably should have made it to the Pro Bowl in special teams. You know, when I was yeah. with the Dolphins, I blocked, uh, what, two punts in a season and had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, you know, I did a lot of things to where guys who come in the league that are just running backs, they don't last long. You know, I, I talk to a lot of younger athletes, and I tell them that, you know, they're so stuck on being a running back. You know, when you get to that level, you're just happy to get on the field. you got to find a way to get on the field first. And, you know, instead of looking at yourself as a running back, first got to be a football player. And that's how you got to look at yourself. No matter where they put you at on that field, you got to be a football player. And once you can establish that, then you can work yourself into the position that you want to be in, you know. First, they got to see that you want to play, 
and you can make plays. And they say, okay, this guy, you know, he can make some plays. Let's 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 put him in this situation and put him in this situation, and then things start happening for you. You know. You you kind of your career is kind of split up in halves, and I mean that by you know starting out with Cincinnati, and Miami. The first half was in the AFC, and then San Francisco, and Washington. Second half in the NFC. Like the Eastern Conference and Western Conference in the NBA, and, you know, different styles of play and all that. Was there a difference in NFC football and AFC football, different conferences? Could you tell the difference in, in the way the conferences bring in that thing, or was it all kind of the same? Um, it was it was kind of the same. Uh, at the time, you know, everybody said the NFC at the time was was a little bit tougher than AFC. Um, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that I would agree with that. Um, so, you know, just thinking about what you just said, the question that you asked, I would say it's, it's pretty much the same. I think it was a lot of parity among, you know, the teams and players, um, to where no matter, no matter who you played on it, on any given Sunday or Monday night, uh, you could win or lose, you know? I mean, it just depends on the preparation and how the, the players, you know, prepare for the game. Because, you know, it's so many times, you know, it would be a, a better team. And you know it's a better team on paper, but they end up losing because of the preparation, the way they prepare, they didn't have the right game plan. Uh, and now coaches are just so brilliant, you know, as far as putting game plans together and disguising defenses was just amazing. You know, a lot of people don't know Steve Young – as a great as an athlete that he was, he didn't know how to read defenses very well. That's why we did so much motion. You know, you put all, you put a running back in motion, Ricky Wallace would go in motion, and he would get set, and then I would go in motion and get set, and then Jerry would come across the ball and get set. By the time you do all that, the defense has to adjust. So mm-hmm. that's how he knew, you know, what defense they were in because they couldn't – we were trying to get them out of their disguises and by doing all the motioning, they would come out of that disguise. They couldn't stay in it. So by the time we were done with the motioning, we knew what defense they were in. That would just give him a pre-snap read before the before the play would start. That's very interesting. Now, be, <laughs> be honest, you know, Terry and I were, you know, we were, we were teenagers back when it was San Francisco and Dallas in the NFC title game every year. The media always said it. The fans always said it. Did you as players believe it, that the winner of the San Francisco-Dallas game, that was your Super Bowl because you knew whoever won that was going to beat the AFC team? Did you all buy into that as players? (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. That was a Super Bowl game right there. (laughs) It's always like that. The game before the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. (laughs) Everybody knew that. Who won that game was going to win the Super Bowl, no doubt. And and, and I agree with because Vinny and I talk about it all the time that I don't think these 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 younger guys understand. I remember more about those NFC Championship games than I do about the Super Uh Bowl. To be honest with you, I remember those games at Candlestick and everything. I remember very little about the Super Bowl against uh, San Diego. I know we won. A lot of points being scored, but I remember specific <laughs> plays and things. 
uh, you know, anytime you can beat Dallas is a great day. So I remember those games. You're so right, though, man. I mean, when when we were playing in the playoffs, I don't care, even when I was in AFC, when I was playing for the Dolphins, we played uh, a Buffalo, you know, when they had those four losing Super Bowls. You know, they they still had to come through Miami, you know. Those games were the nerve-wracking games. I mean, even when I got to the Niners and playing in the playoffs, I can't, I can't even tell you how nervous I was for those games. But when the Super Bowl came around, man, I was relaxed. I wasn't nervous about anything. <laughs> so, um, you know, those, those games, I agree, they were nerve-wracking, man. Those, those are the games that you just, you know, let's play or go home. You know, you win or lose. So you don't want to go home. You want to go to the Super Bowl. So I have to agree with you that those those games are the toughest games. The Super Bowl, that's the, that's the icing on the cake right there. <laughs> <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to try to go through the coaches. In Cincinnati, it was Sam Weiss, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so Miami would have still been Don Shula. Yeah. In San Francisco, by then it was George Seifert. George, yeah. In Washington, that was former Dallas offensive coordinator North Turner was up there then, nope. right? Nope. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Bill Walsh was still – go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, give us a little something about each of those coaches or, or things that kind of stood out about you. Uh, Still out to you about each of those guys that you played for. Well, Sam was a genius. You know, he comes from that um, Bill Walsh group, you know. Um, Just a very underrated coach. You know, his first year with the Bengals, uh, he he left the University of Indiana and uh, came to the Bengals. And uh, I think they had the worst season ever probably in franchise history. They probably – I don't think they won a game that year. But they wasn't letting Sam coach. You know, you had legendary Paul Brown still coaching the team. And Sam said that he was going to leave, you know, uh, if they didn't let him coach. And the next year he went to the Super Bowl, you know, (laughs) which was crazy. (laughs) So, um, I mean, he he was just a great coach. You know, he was – the first guy to come out with that no-huddle offense and people thought we were cheating, they bring their third-down defense in and we'll snap the ball with 13 guys on the field, you know. I mean, they couldn't handle it. It was just brilliant. You know, we went to the Super Bowl because of no one could actually stop our offense, you know. And uh, so brilliant mind, brilliant mind. Uh, I went to Cleveland for one year, played with Frank. Uh, I was on the team with Ernest Bynum and those guys, you know, when Ernest fumbled on the one-yard line against Denver. Uh-huh. And uh, Marty Schottenhammer, defensive mind, great coach, dis- disciplinarian uh, type of coach, no-nonsense type of type of coach. But um, not one of my favorites, but uh, I thought he was a, an excellent coach. Don Shula, uh, legendary. That's all you can really say about Don Shula. You know, I grew up watching Mercury Moores and, Bob Greasy and Zonka and those guys, and I was like a kid in a candy store when I finally met them. You know, they came to practice, and <laughs> and it was just a exciting time for me to meet those guys. But Priscilla is, is, is a legend, a great coach, um, had a great staff, 
and we did a lot of things well. You know, I played with some great quarterbacks with Dan uh, being there and, you know, the three that I had at the Niners. And Boomer was my quarterback at Cincinnati. Yeah. But Don Shula was probably one of the best out there. Uh, Sam, uh, Sam Weiss, I mean, not Sam Weiss, but George Seifert, uh, another offensive mind uh, and a great defensive mind as well. Uh, a player's coach uh, could get along with anybody, was funny, uh, was a great motivator. Just knew how to motivate his, his team, his players, had great speeches, um, just things that would just really get you on fire and ready to play. Whether it was funny, whether it was serious, he just knew how to motivate you. Uh, he was he was a, a king at that, uh, but just knew how to – to utilize the talent that we had. You know, when you've got a Jerry Rice and a John Taylor, who's going to get the ball? You know, that's that's yeah. tough <laughs> because people don't realize John was, you know, probably better than Jerry. But Jerry oh. got more chances, you know. But as far as a pure athlete, John was a better athlete. So Jerry got more chances. But uh, just to, you know, juggle all that talent, you know, that one year we had just an all-star cast with Deion Sanders and Ken Norton Jr., Merton Hanks. He just knew how to juggle talent and put it together and make it work, and that's the reason why we won the Super Bowl. And then uh, North Turner, uh, not a great head coach, uh, but, but a genius as an offensive coordinator. If he's just an offensive coordinator, he's the best, probably the best at it. If he has to wear the hat of a head coach, he's not that good. Right. Uh, I think that's his downfall. Just trying to be a head coach and an offensive coordinator too, and he just he can't wear too many hats. He's not that good at it. But if he just right. can concentrate on that offense, man, he'll light you up. He's got a great offensive mind. Yeah. So that's that's my put on on all those coaches. <laughs> Love the last question, Mark, and I definitely appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show. Okay. As, as a running back in the NFL, you know, you, you got to bring it every play. You definitely – you said already that it been not for long because, you know, if you're not getting it done, that's find somebody who will. As a running back, you mean, you, you weren't scared of anybody. You were going to do your job. You are going to make your plays. But what, what linebacker – over the course of your career, that did you line up against that you know? Oh, I better, I better strap it on extra tight today because <laughs> I know he's gonna be bringing it all day, just like I'm gonna be bringing it all day. <laughs> uh, I, I'd have Lawrence Taylor, no doubt, without a doubt. Um, man, it's, he was just a beast. I mean, he would tell you where he's coming, and you couldn't beat. You know, I'm coming right there. I'm coming right there. He he would talk the whole game, <laughs> and he would tell the lineman, he would tell everybody where he's coming. We'd double him up and slide the line to his side, and he'd still make the play. And uh, that was probably the hardest I've ever been hit was by Juan Taylor. We were playing in, in New York, Giant Stadium, and we were stacked up on, like, our 20-yard line. And the hole opened so big, I just knew I was gone for an 80-yard touchdown. And I cut back, and uh, Lyman didn't get the cutoff block. <laughs> so Lawrence Taylor comes straight down the line, and he just ear holes me. 
And uh, I mean, the first thing that hit the ground was my head, and uh, it was one of those snotty nose hits. <laughs> <laughs> I never had a snotty nose hit. I always heard about it, <laughs> but snot was running all out of my nose, and he bent over me and said, "Ooh, that hurt, didn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> So that's my Lawrence Taylor story right there. So that's that's the only guy that I know that has hit me to where I can remember a story like that. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's a true story. I've seen that clip. I guess it's an NFL film. I think he sacks like Ken O'Brien for the Jets or something like that. And he says, son, y'all got to do better than this. I've seen that, you know. Yeah. I've seen that clip so many times, and now you're, you're here telling us that he, he did you the same way. Oh, the same <laughs> way, man. <laughs> I mean, he talked the whole game, man. He he never sets up. He never sets up, man. But, you know, he's not a he's not a like a huge, big, big player, you know, but he just plays big, man. He just stopped this guy. I mean, he's just a big playmaker. You know, right. Derek Thomas, another one, you know, that played for Kansas City. I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> man, Mark, we have enjoyed this. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to come on the show. It's been an honor, sir. We really appreciate it. Man, it's been an honor talking to you and Terry. And uh, you guys have a great show. I enjoy what you're doing, man. And I just wish you all the the, the success uh, with your show. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Thank you for coming. Yeah, oh, we so certainly okay. appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good evening, Mark. Okay, you guys do the same. Take care. All right. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Former UK. NFL running back and kick returner Mark Logan TV man took just entertained us for 45 plus minutes man how awesome was that? That that's that's fantastic and uh, it, it's great to get the inside stuff and, and 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 like Mark was saying okay you know I'm a 49ers guy but getting that inside peek. Uh, talking about uh, Eddie DeBarlo and, and, and the great, great run that they had in the 80s and to the early 90s. Uh, and I meant what I said. Every player from from Jerry Rice to, to you know, the, the last guys on the roster talked about how great Eddie DeBarlo was as a, as a, as a person, as an owner. Uh, and, it's, and it's rare because you know, you know like I know, that, that – professional sports as a business and so sometimes you don't see ownership or, or, or coaches making that kind of personal connection and it's good to hear that uh, I was you know I, I like hearing good things about the Niners it's been a while since we've won a Super Bowl so I, I definitely enjoy hearing that uh, 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 hearing that uh, kind of uh, perspective uh, that inside perspective and, and, and you know and I know uh, I know Jerry Rice's stats from Super Bowl twenty three when he was the MVP. I, I know it as, as much as much as I know anything else. I I, I know that one. Oh, and for those listening, if we go past eight o'clock, everything will be up on the podcast. 
blogtalkradio.com slash cat talk. But, you know, as much as Jerry Jones can kind of frustrate me and a lot of Cowboys fans sometimes, Eddie DeBartlow is is the opposite for you all. You all just still have nothing but good things to say. And, you know, compared to the York now, you guys are longing for the DeBartlow days here, right? Well, and, and the thing is, like, you know, Jerry Jones has been kind of hands-off this year. I know he's made some uh, – you know, I, I think he's made some uh, comments, you know, about the Dax, uh, Tony Romo uh, – Dax, excuse me, uh, Tony Romo situation. Uh, but if you've got an owner, just just own and, – and you hate to say that because these guys that own these teams – They've been successful in other arenas. They've done different things, and you don't want to just tell them to sit there and shut up, but let the football guys be the football guys. And you see that once Jerry Jones kind of stepped back the football guys because, you know, there's that story that uh, during the draft, uh, you know, he he wasn't that high on Dak Prescott. Jerry wasn't. And and his football guys made made that call. And then there's the benefit. You you guys are going into the playoffs, number one overall seed. Dak and Zeke are looking really good, MVP-like, Pro Bowl performers. Uh, that's a good thing. I liken it to another Dallas team, the Dallas Mavericks. Remember when uh, uh, Mark Cuban bought the team and he was openly feuding with David Stern? I mean, he was always writing a check and – he was always <laughs> yeah. like that, but he invested into the team because you and I remember, and Kentucky fans should remember, Jamal Mashburn's first couple of seasons in Dallas, they were terrible. I would yeah. say even worse than the Sixers are now. He buys a team, yeah. you know, they get that arena, and I remember just kind of what he was spending to build uh, just a, a player's first franchise. But once he stopped being the headline, once he brought in basketball guys, what happened? You, you get a you get an NBA championship. Now I don't yeah. know if you're if your uh, Cowboys won a championship the year, but this is the best season they've had in a long time. You know, outside yeah. of of the Giants, they they've kind of they they run roughshod. Heck, they beat my Forty ers So. I know that they're doing pretty good uh, as an owner. Let the let the let the guys that know how to do it do it. Yeah, and and I guess he has for his standards this year. He has kind of been laid back. He uh, the comments he was making. I guess he just couldn't help himself, and he admitted, you know, uh, Clarence Hill for the Fort Worth Fort Worth Star Telegram. Did a story. Jerry admitted that he was just stirring stuff up just to do it. And I wrote a piece about that on CarolineMillsRadio.com because, you know, Cowboys fans can sometimes be uh, overly, well, overly demanding, yes. Expecting too much, yes. Uh, Skies falling when it really isn't, yes. And the offense was kind of sputtering a little bit when they played Minnesota. They won that game 17-15, to 15, 
but they struggled, you know. Uh, they weren't, you know, just kind of having their way like they had been all season. You know, the Vikings had a good defense and slowed them down a lot. The following week, they lose to the Giants. They were terrible on third down, couldn't pick up a first down, couldn't convert a third down to save their life. They finally hit Des Bryant on a first down pass. He fumbles, and that's the end of the ballgame. So you had all of this panic, 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 play robo, play robo. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? And this was the second loss of the season. And it, it had been almost three months since the Cowboys had lost the game, but yet you would think the, the world was going to end. And I tweeted it out like a couple of days after the game. I said, this is all just an attempted manufactured quarterback controversy. That's how it felt. You know, I, I you know, hit a high heart on the phone and listened to some of the sports talk shows in Dallas while I was at work and stuff like that. And it was just so much panic. For no reason, it felt like it was staged. And then you had Jerry coming up saying, "Well, Jerry, I was just kind of, I was just kind of stirring it up just to see." I'm like, "Man, really?" But <laughs> if that's the worst, if that's the worst thing he does this year, then I honestly, it's not really that bad. If that's if that's the worst messing that he's going to do, then we should all be happy and just take it and, and move on. Yeah, uh, you know that that's the thing. Being an owner is that delicate balance, and and you see successful franchises have have owners that that know their role and kind of set the table and let people uh, let the, the, the people know what they. And and that's when I talk about you know uh, going back to the Lakers. That's what Dr. Jerry Buss did. Look, man, he just owned the team, but he was enjoying. The benefits and perks of being in L.A. in the 80s, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's the thing. Uh, in in uh, Jeff Perlman's book about the Showtime Lakers and talking about Jerry Buss, uh, you know, here he is in the 80s. He, they say, you know, he, he's going into all the owner, other owners' meetings and everything, and they're all in their button-down suits and whatnot. And he comes in, and he's got – his 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 shirt wide open, showing the chest hair. And he's got uh, he, he, he's got the, the 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 necklaces and everything. He was everything you thought L.A. was, uh, and, and he was just the owner. He loved being you know courtside with the team and and partying with the team. That you know, I, I'm not tell, saying Jerry Jones needs to run with Zeke and Dak when they hit the club, but <laughs> lay back. Be be an owner. Enjoy yourself. You know that 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 would be my advice. Yeah, and, and sometimes he just he can't do that. I mean, if if, if he had of a lot of people really firmly believe Jimmy Johnson would have stayed around a lot longer than he did, but it was just you know so much struggling and fighting that that wasn't the case. But if he just lays low this year, and you know I'm not. You know, the Cowboys might not – I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm enjoying the ride, you know, because it's, it's been kind of lean here the past few years. But just lay low and enjoy the ride. You got a young quarterback and a young running back that uh, are going to be around for a while. So just, just enjoy what they're doing and, and watch them get better each and every every game and every year. 
gotta gotta switch up real quick too. Uh, 2016, man, has just been crazy. We've been defeated all year with these celebrities that have been passing away. Hadn't got to talk about it with you, but in sports, it was Craig Sager a few weeks ago. Now, the NBA is not going to be the same without him. And I'm not a Star Wars guy at all, but even I knew who Princess Leah was, and so it was sad to see that Carrie Fisher passed away. Uh, as well, in addition to the long list of celebrities that we talked about already this year, twenty sixteen, and 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 George Michael uh, on Christmas, yeah. And, and let yeah. me say, uh, you know, about Prince and George Michael, my my beloved father, uh, not the most, uh, I wouldn't say hip. Uh, his whole thing, a concert, and he, if a concert ticket cost more than ten dollars, it was overpriced. So he's not. He was never my. <laughs> My music influence, but he had the Prince Purple Rain LP, and he did have George Michael cassette tape. So wow. that is my tribute to those guys. He loved the song "One More Try" by George Michael. So when I talk oh. about those two guys, that's my tribute to them. Uh, you know, he had those things. As far as wow. Carrie Fisher. I, you know, I'm not uh, a deep. I'm not a, uh, a Star Wars geek or anything like that. Enjoy the original movies and, and, and things like that. But for me, uh, with Carrie Fisher, was she was a mental health advocate. She was very public about her bipolar disorder, and uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, partly because of her and other folks that have that pulpit. You know, I battle depression. I have issues. Every day can be a challenge sometimes. But when you have Princess Leia saying, hey, mental illness is nothing to be ashamed of. I have it. I deal with it. I And, and I don't want to go through all her quotes on it and all her different things. But to give a voice to those of us dealing with that, absolutely huge. So more than what she did in a galaxy far, far away, I'm thankful for what she did here on Earth. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say for my people, but for us dealing with these issues. So, uh, you know, I don't. 2016 has been absolutely brutal, and we've been through it. Muhammad Ali, Pat Summit, Prince. I mean, start listening. Uh, start listing them out. You'll overlook folks. Alan Thicke, yeah. who on yeah. top of growing pains wrote the theme song to different strokes and the theme right. comes to uh, 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 the facts of life. Uh, yeah. And, and, re- and let me get on my soapbox real quick. I know we're running over. This is going into the podcast. I talked about this a little bit on Twitter. And when a celebrity passes away, dies, whatnot, you get a lot of reaction on social media. And you get these people that I can't believe you're being upset for the celebrity and, you know, people die every day. And that's true. People die every day. Or somebody will say, you know, what about the troops that die, you know, fighting or police officers, first responders, firefighters, whatnot that die. And this is what I believe. All life is precious. Whether it's the homeless person on the street, whether it's the, the, the crackhead, if you will, 
whether it's a celebrity, a soldier, all life is precious. All life has intrinsic value. I believe that. But I think what affects people as far as celebrities, like I said about Carrie Fisher, she, to those people in the mental illness community, gave folks a voice to say, you know what, I'm not as broken as I thought I was. And to me, there's a value in that. When we talk about Prince, and we've talked about him earlier this year, when somebody creates something, like a song, and it reaches a lot of people, there is value in that. And to downplay that, I think, is very detrimental. I don't know Carrie Fisher, don't know Prince, never met Muhammad Ali, but they still had an impact, I think, on my life for the better. And it's okay to be sad. It is okay to have feelings about that because for those folks that live and breathe Star Wars, you know, she was Princess Leia. And in today's world, if you can get people from all over the country to come together for one of these Star Wars conventions or whatnot, that's a good thing. When you can create something that brings people together, that should be celebrated. And I think, in my mind, that's why celebrities kind of get this outpouring because there is a coming together. Maybe I'm being a little naive in that, but I think that's the case. Because as we saw with like Prince's death and we talked about, I could come up with my top 10 Prince song. You can come up with your top 10 Prince song. They won't be the same and we could both (laughs) be right. That is folks here in Louisville, Muhammad Ali, he was he was the, the city's favorite son. And I, I you can't put a price tag or you can't quantify what it means to see a hometown boy make good. Not only a hometown boy make good, but not forget his hometown. And I know the folks in Minneapolis think that way about Prince, the same way we think about Ali. Uh, you know, losing Alan Rickman. You know, for a lot of folks, he was Professor Snape from the Harry Potter series. Uh, I live tweeted Die Hard Christmas Eve. It is a Christmas movie. He was Hans Gruber. Look, man, when you're able to create something to bring joy to people, whether it's a movie, a song, whatever it is, to me, that should be celebrated. And, and that's why I tweet out, I talk about R.I.P. Uh, Carrie Fisher or, or George Michael or, or what have you. Uh, there shouldn't be a contest for who gets our condolences or not. Remember, Carrie Fisher's mother is still alive, Debbie Reynolds. In, in, in my book, no parent should have to go through burying their child. Yeah. So it's not so much that you miss those people, but Celebrities have family. You know, Prince had brothers and sisters and cousins and whatnot. And and they're going to miss Uncle Prince, if you will. You know, so it's okay yeah. to have a little bit of empathy and sympathy for those folks. Uh, and I know some folks are just tweeting out, you know, these celebrity hashtags. 
But a lot of these folks, particularly this year, I think more so than most years, a lot of people that created a lot of great, unique things uh, passed away, uh, and they touched a lot of people. You know, we talked about Pat Summit and, and what she did and what she meant to the people of Tennessee. You know that. You're down yeah. in Knoxville. You understand what her legacy is, and it's okay to be sad. Even though you didn't meet these people, they still had an impact on the world. It's okay to to admit that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a couple more things, too, before we jump off. Um, well, I'll do the first. What is George Carl doing? You know, serious George, he's just blasting everybody in his book. Mellow, Kenyon Martin, uh, you know, the White Cousins, the NBA has steroid problem. He's just taking shots at anything and everybody. I mean, that was ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, the thing, too, about, you know, uh, Mello didn't have a father to teach him how to be a man. And Mello's dad died when he was two years old of cancer, and George Carl is a cancer survivor himself. So, I mean, just, you know, I guess he's just trying to sell books, but it's, it was just ridiculous in my opinion. So I, I had to at least bring it up. Well, with George Carl, and, and the thing is, I don't think it's an age thing. He's just out of touch. And he was one, he's one of those guys, he's a Carolina guy, and he kind of bought into that Carolina way of doing things, which I'm not a fan of. It, it, it's, it's weird to me. But to, to say that players do a certain thing because of not having a father, I think it, it hints at a little bit of, uh, well, a, a stereotyping racism of black males. And, and and this absentee father, this black father that's not there, and therefore, uh, you know, the, the 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 son doesn't grow up responding to authority or, or what have you. I don't buy it, but that's what George Carl is peddling with this book. You talked about uh, with Carmelo losing his dad. I mean, that is such a shot. Your dad died when you were two, and then saying, well, you're not a great person because you didn't have a dad. I don't even see how that passes any kind of just just being a a human. I I don't understand that. But Kenyon Martin, I know he kind of had persona, you know, when he was at UC. But really, honestly – he didn't have a lot of off-the-court issues like a lot of other people do. I think he turned yeah. out just fine. I think it was a cheap, unnecessary shot. I'm not a fan of coaches kind of throwing this kind of stuff out there on the way out. Yeah. When, when uh-huh. Carmelo really has been a model citizen, he's represented his country at the Olympics. He's standing up with LeBron, talking about – the Black Lives Matter, you know, he, he's involved civically. It just, this seems like a weird hill to die on. Uh, 
in, in my mind for, for, for George Carl to write this book. Keep in mind, and I saw a tweet to this effect, George Carl's got a lot of wins. But keep in mind, he had prime Gary Payton, prime Sean Kemp, prime Ray Allen, prime Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo, I'll get it out eventually. And, 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 and how far did he go? My thing is, I think if you get another coach, I mean, yes, the 96 Sonics did take the Bulls to six games in the finals. I get that. But he's got some first-round losses with, those, with that group, and that's on you. So if you want to start throwing dirt on what your players did or didn't do, you had some really, really good talent and really, really didn't do a lot with it. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, he just, he just made himself look bad. No matter what he thinks he's accomplishing, he's making himself look really, really bad. So, uh, just had to uh, to mention that. Uh, LJ Fiasco tweeted in that he was three points off. He said Louisville would have 18 points at halftime. They had 21, and right now they trail Virginia 38 to 25. Second half just started, so uh, you know this man knows his squad. He was pretty much dead on as to what Louisville would do offensively against Virginia, and now they have a, a double-digit hole to try to dig out of against a boring Virginia team that's gonna, you know, take all the air out of the ball and melt the clock and and you know put everybody in the youngsters to sleep. But uh, he was pretty much all over it. Yeah, and let me say I enjoyed uh, – real quick, I enjoyed covering the game at Yum. It was fantastic. Uh, they were very, very good hosts. Uh, I hope to be able to go back, uh, maybe cover another Louisville game. Enjoyed uh, the Yum Center. Even though UofL's got to renegotiate that lease and get it where it's making money, <laughs> uh, I, 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 enjoyed, I enjoyed it. It is a top-notch, top-notch facility. Oh, that is all. That's, and that's what everybody, that's all you ever hear about how the venue, how how state-of-the-art it is, how extremely nice it is. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's in the Ville. It's the home of the Cardinals, but still, you can't knock it from being uh, a not being a nice venue because it definitely is. So, yeah, I've got to take a trip so I can check it out for myself. I've heard all the good things that everybody said about it. Um, yeah, I got to get in there as well. My dad was up there a couple of years ago. I guess the, the Tyler Eulis game where he was bloodied up, uh, the 58-50 game. My dad was there for that, and uh, he said the same thing. He was raving about the facility and the venue. You know, he, he said, look, that." He said, I know it's Louisville, I know it's their home gym. He said, that's the that's the nicest arena, that's the nicest building in the state, one of the nicest arenas he had been to. And he here lately since he's retired, he's been to uh, several Final Fours, uh, Indianapolis and Houston and different places. But, you know, the Young Center can hold its own with any venue anywhere. It, 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 it's nice. Uh you know, it's a different set up, set up than, than Rupp, obviously. 
but I enjoyed I enjoyed my time there. Like I said, very very nice. Uh, other than hearing the the victors in the in their locker room cheering, uh, it was very good. You know, as the joke goes. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? So other than the outcome <laughs> of the game, I had a pretty good time uh, there covering uh, covering the game. Hope to do it again. Yeah, I'm definitely glad you you got to go. I uh, hate the outcome as well, but we're glad you got to be up in that environment for sure. Uh, Before we jump off of here, who are your picks in the college football playoffs? Alabama and Washington, Ohio State and Clemson, they both play Saturday, and then the winners go on to the national championship game. Uh, I I think we're going to see a rematch of Alabama-Clemson, I think. For stretches, Ohio State's had issues scoring the ball. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson, this is this is his last roundup. Uh, I think he's going to be motivated. Uh, oddly enough, I think losing out on the Heisman, I think, is going to get him in a better spot than maybe if he would have won it. Uh, he's going to be ready to go. And Alabama's Alabama. It, 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 I'm not going to say that they are unbeatable, but you have – you you got to bring your A game and and then really hope for a couple of plays, uh, like like uh, uh, Mr. Logan said earlier. There's going to be those three plays, three or four plays a, a game where Washington is going to have to take advantage. Um, the thing is about Alabama, they are just a machine. They the player and, and not to keep this point going, but the the players at Alabama know. If we do what we are told, we win the game. It's just that simple. Do your job, you win the game. And that's where they are. So I think it's going to be a rematch of Clemson and and Alabama. Uh, And I hope we have Miss Meredith on to preview Alabama's Clemson, the rematch. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm thinking – a rematch to Alabama against Clemson. I saw where Barrett Salise, like one of the, the, the main writers, was covering the SEC for Bleacher Report. He uh, was at the press conference and had it on Periscope and tweeted it out. Uh, Chris Peterson, the head coach of Washington, used to be in Boise State, was saying something like uh, the quote was that this was going to be the most balanced team that they uh, that Washington will face defensively. As far as yeah, Alabama's offense is the most balanced team that our defense will will have to face. And I said, well, that'll be the most balanced team your offense will have to face as well, because I mean, from defensive line to linebackers to DBs. You know, they've not seen a defense like that either. So, I mean, (laughs) you're going to see the most balanced team you've seen all year on all aspects of the game, special teams, offense, and defense. Uh, My dad had just taken our boys to Atlanta just just a couple days ago because I got some aunts that live down there. Uh, My oldest was out of school, so dad went to Atlanta they saw the police escorting Washington's team into Atlanta. They were just getting there, and they saw, you know, the, the police, the buses, and all the traffic. And 
they haven't seen anything like what they're going to see with Alabama. Now, you know, Chris Peterson is a good coach, a lot of trick plays, a lot of big wins at Boise State, but I, I just think they're going to get hit in the mouth repeatedly uh, when they go up against Alabama this weekend. So I'm with you. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson again for the, for the national championship. Yep. Uh, you know, in, until, I, you know, I say this with all due respect, but Alabama is, is like Jason and Michael Myers and Craig Kruger. <laughs> you, you, got, you got to show me a body. You got, if you say that Alabama, you, you, you've got to do something. Because even if, you know, uh, Washington gets a, a surprise early turnover, it ain't over. Because Alabama is yeah. going to do like, remember, remember wrestling and The Undertaker? He, he, you do your finishing move, he's going to sit right up. Alabama will do that. <laughs> and, and you've got to be ready. You, you've, got to, you've got to kill it. You've got to, because you, they're not, not going to beat themselves, and that's the thing. So Alabama and Clemson yeah. win. Yeah, if we have Meredith on again, like I don't, I don't even know if we say that to her again because I don't, I don't know. It's like she wasn't really getting that when that reference you made last year. She was like, "Oh my, oh." She was kind of like taking them back. She was taking them back by that TV. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know if we want to hit it with that again this year or not. I don't know. That's you. But 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 that, I, I think that's valid because every year people keep saying. You know, this, this is not Alabama. Alabama. No, no, no. There's, there, it still goes through Tuscaloosa. That is true. And from the SEC standpoint, I'm, I'm always glad to see that. I mean, root for every SEC team in the bowl game. I struggle rooting for Tennessee in any game. But the rest of the SEC, uh, I'm always about that conference pride. And Kentucky is in that mix this year. They're one of the 12 teams. Uh, playing in a bowl game. Redford already played NC State, and that surprisingly was lopsided, uh, way worse than I thought it would be. NC State put it on them. But uh, hopefully the rest of the SEC can get rolling and uh, you know, can have a good record after these 12 bowl games for the conference. We we shall see, and, and, and I'm definitely going with the Cats picking up a W. Down at yeah, table. yeah. Gonna be a lot of running, but uh, they got that funky offense. So we got Benny and Bone, and then Steven Johnson will mix in some deep balls. I think the Cats will win Saturday as well. It's gonna be so much fun watching UK in what would have been a New Year's Day bowl had the calendar not played out the way it is. It'll be fun watching that Sunday morning. Uh, and looking forward to talking about that next week as well as some. NBA stuff and other stuff we didn't get to. More on Russell Westbrook, and hopefully he does not go to L.A., just like his whole cousins does not go to L.A. But all these triple-doubles, Russ is getting that. we got to talk about that and much more next week. Man, it was so much fun that we had to go 20 minutes over, but it was worth it. Uh, enjoy having you back in studio for a full two hours. <laughs> and That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Had a blast talking with Mark Logan. That was awesome. Uh, check the podcast out. We'll put it up on the Facebook page and tweet it all out and uh, listen to it again. But, man, have a good weekend. And uh, we're looking forward to talking with you next week. If I see any funny Niners news, you know, I'm going to tweet at you. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, Vinny, you have a great uh, weekend, man.
All right, you too. We'll talk to you later. Former man Terry TV, the Terry Brown. This is Jenny Hardy. Another episode of Cat Talk Wednesday. It's in the books. We'll see y'all next week, 6 to 8. Check us out. Blogtalkradio.com slash Cat Talk. Facebook.com. Twitter.com slash Cat Talk Wednesday. See y'all next week. Everybody.